You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Uh, we took off last week. Really, well, the only reason I took off last week is I wasn't home and the file, the show file for this was not with me, so I couldn't get it. And so I delayed a week and it was Christmas, so I was forgiven. <laughs> but a lot, a lot has gone on and if you've been kind of clued into my social media, if you saw something for about 12 hours, maybe you have a little more insight than some other people. And <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to try to figure out where to where to start with all this. So the last thing I did was the wedding band show in San Francisco, and it was incredible. A lot of fun, great crowd, band sounded great, super tight, a lot of fun. Uh, got to see Metallica. 40th anniversary, that was amazing. It was just, a, it was a great weekend. Uh, so anyone who got to see that, definitely very, very cool. But yeah, so pretty much, I probably, I guess let me let me let me sum up <laughs> in the in the best way possible. I I more or less divulged a little bit um, about my my personal life and kind of stuff going on with my relationship on social media in a way that really is I guess in the abnormal for my character because I don't really like to you know I'm intimate on this show in kind of a big way I think as as honest as, as I can be um but you know I, I talked about some stuff with my relationship and you know me kind of maybe not being the, the best boy in the world and uh <laughs> you know put that out there in a way that I probably, yeah, it's not really something that's my style, but it was something I felt like I had to do uh, to do the right thing. And and yeah, but it basically I put it up and then the comments on Instagram got super weird. And some of some people that I, I would say were not necessarily acting in good faith were taking part. And then so I, I took it down. So I think I, that, that was the best thing. But, you know, I've been more or less been dealing with a little bit of upheaval in my life, you know, that I'm responsible for. And I guess it's been a kind of crazy year, right? You get you get it all in this year. I've, I've had pretty much the full experience, <laughs> the full 2020, 2021 experience in terms of 
losing loved ones, my parents, turmoil with my band, um, you know, dealt with a lot, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety this year. And now I'm dealing with a little bit of turmoil in my in my personal life. But I have to say, with everything, I'm actually doing pretty good. Uh, if you were wondering, I am I am doing doing well because I think when you have big problems, you got to accept them. You know, don't you know just get right in front of it and go, hey, this is the problem. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna handle it? You know, and I I think I've handled it very uh, directly. And I'm not trying to avoid it. I'm not burying my head in the sand. I'm going, hey, how do I want to compose myself in my life? And that's with, uh, you know, uh, not sugarcoating it. And it's hard, you know, dealing with pain of a certain sort, dealing with anything that kind of, I guess, tears apart your comfort zone. I think we get really comfortable as we get older, especially if we're, you know, with the same person for a long time or our living environment is very consistent. And the thing I kind of realized kind of dealing with this is in many ways, I was so on the move for so long and used to being uncomfortable that in some ways, this is almost my natural state it's like being on tour right when you're on tour you're kind of always a little uncomfortable right you're maybe the bunk isn't quite the way you want it to be it's not your bed or you're traveling out of a bag and your toiletries aren't exactly how you'd have it at home or and i guess being that kind of uh on the on the road living out of a bag that that vibe just being generally a little uncomfortable and being having a life that's a little more unpredictable, something I'm pretty used to. So that's, that's been okay. And luckily I've had, you know, family, it's been amazing. Friends have been amazing. Um, but you know, I've, it's definitely a good time to think and take stock, you know, um, you know, back in the day, I, you know, I stepped out on my ex, ex girlfriends in a, in a bad way. Definitely some, probably the thing, in my life, I'm the least proud of. Um, but, you know, at that time, we're talking, I was you know, 28, actually between 25 and like 29 or whatever. And kind of, I had to reassess who I was. You know, I had to kind of break myself down to build myself back up. And there's a lot of self-loathing involved with that. And that wasn't really helpful, but I felt like I deserved to suffer <laughs> to some degree to that was my own kind of atonement and now now that i'm 40 41 um i have a much better sense of myself and i know that's that's not really effective because i think once you kind of you know if, if you go through your kind of self-image, right? How you view yourself and you start hating yourself, that's a that's a tough thing to come back from. So you have to be careful. There's there's a fine line between looking yourself in the mirror, being honest about uh, things you can do better and where you've done wrong and but also going, hey, you know, most of the time actually I'm 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 doing my best. I'm trying to do the right thing and uh and I don't know, it, it made me kind of think a lot about that. 
about who, what makes a good person, uh, what makes a bad person, you know, um, you could do, you think about someone who killed someone, right? Maybe they did all the right things that until that one day they, they snapped or they, whatever, self-defense or who knows, are, are, is the one moment, the thing that defines them? I don't know. Or is it a consistency of actions over a course of a lifetime, you know? But I've 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 thought about a lot, a lot about that a lot during this time, um, and just trying to stay grounded with that and not I don't know I I think I actually don't think it's helpful for me. Now I'm going to speak for me. I don't I don't really want to put uh, project on anyone else to not necessarily think of myself as good or bad. You know I I think just looking at myself as someone who's capable of doing good things and bad things at any given time. It's just where the culmination of the choices we make. And then once you make choices, good or bad, you're the one that has to deal with the consequences of that. And that's what I'm trying to do is not run from consequences. Uh, because eventually they'll, they'll, they'll catch up to you. You know, you can't, don't run. You know, I've, I made sure, I, you know, when I was dealing with this stuff, I wasn't like drinking or smoking or any, I'm just like, you know what? Be in the moment, be in the emotion. Uh, Try and do the try and do the right thing, to the best of your ability. And it's also tough because it's the holidays, and that has this kind of added stress and pressure and emotional weight, you know, where people want, uh, you know, or need, you know, that kind of communal bond, you know, um, you know. And I just really want Jasmine, my, you know, um, my girlfriend to, you know, I'm just, you know, my mind's been on her and how she's doing. And that's, and that's the thing. I think if anything, my fatal flaw is, you know, is is having a bit of selfishness or a lot of selfishness being a very, I think to do what I do or what a lot of people I think in my position have to do, you tend to be really self-centered because you're so focused on this particular goal or, uh, you know, in the, in the in the case of what what I've been doing with trying to help the Bad Wolves Band get off the ground, feeling like it's this impossible Herculean task, and having that weight, you know, and going and just having the focus, you know, and you're you're the you know the blinds up, and you're just focused on one thing, and you tend to be really self centered, and it's it's tough striking that balance because as an ambitious person, how do you accomplish the great thing without thinking about what you personally have to do, you know? Um, so that's, you know, that's something to think about, like how I can be less self-centered, be more altruistic, more cognizant of, of others, you know, in the, in the, in the best way possible. So that's what you gotta do. Use, use failure as a place to grow, you know? Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty much all I have to say. I, I, despite not wanting to overshare or perhaps in my, the post I did having some oversharing going on, I still love this space as a space to be vulnerable and talk about the real shit and not just, uh, give the social media version of things, which is the highlights and smiles and parties and, kind of manicured 
image imagery. You know, I've I've never really wanted to do that, and that's something I've I've always had a problem with social media. But I can explore that in this on my show, which is something I am very lucky to have, and and it seems like the audience you guys seem to enjoy this this stuff, and so you just kind of part of this is my journey. We're on it, so I hope that was insightful enough. Anyway, we do have a sponsor. We act, in fact, we have two sponsors this week and two bands that have actually sponsored the show before. So this is, like I said, you guys are moving the needle. I love it. This is a band from Australia called The Opinion Industry. And I loved the last song we played by them. And they have, they have some really cool videos. There's, there's a really cool band. This is a brand new track you guys are going to like, I'm sure. It's called Petitions and Protesters. Never been down here, it's never a question. Deal with the teacher, the one that you left is spit at the venom. Second of state fight. There's no education, it's right to fist fight. And no weird care. Your pressure. Put up with illusion, you're controlling your temper. You're busting your parents, erasing your finger. Touching your subjects when losing the battle. Feel the behavior, like shaking the rattle. Taking aim with a poor behavior. In the classroom, we're taking the low road.
so there you have it. That was Petitions and Protesters by The Opinion Industry. And I just think they're a really cool band. It's like got a rock thing, kind of post-hardcore punk vibe. It's very well produced. And it just sounds different, which I, which I like. You know, we need some different stuff out there. And anyway, these are they are three-piece hard rock alt rock outfit from Sydney, Australia. This is the fourth single they've released in 2021. You've heard the other one, Opinions, on this show a while back. They have another one called They're Recording This. And one you have to check out called Karen with a great video. I'm not really, you know, I'm a little against the Karen meme, but there's this they they do it really well it's it's really funny and uh and it's from an ep i guess that's coming out in february 2022 so i guess they're releasing the songs slowly but surely and every song explores a current topic or cultural reference for things going on in the world and i think that's really cool having concepts and stuff and they're playing their first shows post pandemic i guess we're (laughs) or since the pandemic we're still in the pandemic but they're they're doing some shows uh next year uh saturday january 22nd at hamilton station hotel in newcastle australia sunday january 30th at the soda factory in sydney australia and if you want to get some tickets check out the band uh go to their website theopinionindustry.com.au and go to their you know check out their facebook check out their youtube check, they have really cool videos i'm really really in, into what they're doing. And uh, tell them I sent you. Very, very cool band. And thank you to them for sponsoring the show. We have another band who's sponsoring this week's episode. And I believe this is their third time sponsoring the show. And it's a band from California. I want to say Orange County, Southern California. They're called uh, Cerebellion. And we're going to play a new song entitled Into the Deep End.
So you just heard Into the Deep End, a brand new track from Cerebellion. And so that's just to remind you the way it's spelled. It's C-E and then the word rebellion, but it's all one word. And that is from a brand new EP they put out in September, which is entitled Something You Can Say. You can listen to, the, to that EP and the whole band's catalog on Spotify, App Music Anywhere. You stream music, and they're currently writing for a brand new forthcoming release, and hopefully they're going to hit the road this summer. So I'd say go over to their uh, website, uh, Cerebellion1, the number one, dot com. Check them out on Instagram, TikTok, and they're just, I really dig what they do because it's got like this kind of, good mix between just being kind of super catchy melodic rock and this cool metal thing and then this prog other thing happening there and i like i like the blend and they do it really well and they're, they're really great guys and they also wanted me to just let the, let you guys know they're huge john bush fans so that's what's up and they wanted to be on this episode so i'm glad i can i can help them out so thank you to those fellas over there and with the, all that said, yeah, if you want to sponsor the show, drop me an email at the xmanpodcast at gmail.com. We're a little backed up, but we'll eventually get you on. So, okay, a lot of intro, long intro, but hey, it's a special show. <laughs> it's been two weeks, so you get twice twice the intro and uh, twice the, the, the band sponsoring the show and appreciate to all those. I appreciate it, everything to all the bands that sponsor the show. But we have... One of those guests that needs no introduction, really one of, I'd say, my bucket list people I've, I've wanted on the show since, since I started it, and it's, his name is John Bush. He is the singer for Armored Saint and former singer of Anthrax, and he's a legend. I think he's one of the best singers in metal history, and I'm just, you'll, you'll hear me, I'm, I, I'm definitely fluffing balls in the interview because he deserves it. He's really, I think, one of, one of the unheralded. I mean, he's heralded. Of course, people respect John Bush, but you know, I just think he should be at the top with uh, all the great singers. You know, when you think of Dio, or you think of, uh, you know, Rob Halford and people like that. I I really put him on on that level, even though he has a different kind of voice. Um, and just the, you know his his whole catalog and everything he's done is just is just incredible. So we, we didn't have a super long conversation. I think we only did about 35, 40 minutes. But even with that, I was just appreciative that he gave me the time he gave me. So without a further ado, please check out my conversation with the legendary John Bush. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I can't tell you how much of a fan I am, um, you know, in, in, in kind of a strange way because, you know, there's such a complex history. Like, I think you have one of the more interesting careers just in, not just like metal, but just in music. Like in terms of where you've been, where you've gone, like it's, it's just... Uh, I don't know. It's like I I have this like weird fascination because I don't. I'm not sure if we've we may have met briefly. I'm not really sure if if, if we've met or not. Where um, Where do you live? Where Where are you at? I'm from I'm I'm in L.A. now, but um I'm from New Jersey. I was in a band called God Forbid. Oh toured, yeah, yeah, of course, dude. Yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, but, of course. But we toured with Anthrax twice. But it was when you weren't in the band. Oh, <laughs> I felt like God Forbid 
I thought we did something in Japan. No, no. I but like the the only time we really I mean I've been to shows with you playing in Anthrax. Um, but yeah, like we toured with it was like one of the reunion tours, and then we did a tour with Dan. Got it. In oh oh nine in Europe. So it's but so so it's just it's just this You're not the band anymore? The band uh split in 2013. I'm in a band called Bad Wolves now. Bad Wolves, okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course I know, God forbid. I just, you know, I didn't I didn't put two and two together. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> but um that is weird because I could have sworn that we did something with God like that. I'm pretty good with memory, but maybe not that good. You might be thinking about Lamb of God. <laughs> no, it's not Lamb of God, of course. And um and it wasn't Kill Switch either, because we did play with them in Japan. But there was a bunch of bands on that. It was a weird, it was a cool tour of Japan. Because it was like a five-band touring show in Japan, which is pretty unusual. At least it was for us at that time. But um, anyways, whatever. All right, cool. Right on. How's your career going? Uh, pretty pretty good. I mean, the Bad Wolves kind of took off uh, a few years ago. We, you know, we had, we had a member change, so we kind of we just put a new record out. We're getting ready to hit the road in January and do 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 some stuff, do the thing. But no, but so this show, I've been doing this show for about five years, and it's called the X Men. Uh, really inspired by me leaving, God forbid, and trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life after I had been doing that band since I was in high school. And, you know, I have people like yourself on the show and figuring out kind of those moments, right? Of like, you have a crossroads, right? Decisions we make, do we go down this path? Do we go down, go down this path? And that's why I kind of bring up that I think your career is one of the more fascinating that that we've had because you've kind of lived these different lives and me i'm definitely more familiar and like a fan of the anthrax stuff but even preparing for this interview just going down the rabbit hole listening to it's a lot of the Ar armored saint stuff um you know and and actually checking out the the new live album and the live concert which is dude it sounds so good i'm like i'm like this one <laughs> i'm like these motherfuckers sound too good well, there, you know, there's there a couple of things, but I'm not going to believe it or not. Um, there was a few, though, for sure. You know, I wouldn't be, I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't. But really, the, the bulk of it is is pretty authentically live, so that's good. So where was it recorded? Um, well, the audio, well, the, the video, actually, the DVD part of it was from the Gramercy Theater in New York. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, you know, with a couple snippets and from a couple different shows, um, you know, we found out we had some technical issues as usual, as you would find when you, when you do some, some live recordings, you know, we filmed a lot of, we put, we filmed a few shows. We did the audio for most of that tour, which was in America and Europe. Um, and so we had, we had things to pick from and choose from and, and do some editing, creative editing, if you will. Um, but for the most part, it's from that Gramercy show is the DVD and a lot of the vocals and a lot of the music were from that. But, but instead of like redoing things, sometimes we would pick something from another show and fix mm. it that way, which at least um, to me makes it feel still live. Um, you know, so as years went past and some of my favorite records, like kiss alive and UFO strangers in the night and unleashed in the East from priests. Like these are records that shape my, music listening as a teenager and 
and onward. And you find out some of these records just weren't live at all or very little bit of it was. Um, and I just want to be in denial and go, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretending I didn't hear that. Um, but in the end, it's still, there's such great records and it's like how much of it was live, how much I don't know. It's irrelevant really. But, but you know, you want to, you want to do things. And when you make a live album, you want it to feel like a live album. You don't want it to be like it was reproduced in the studio. Yeah. Um, that's not live. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is if you take it from one or a couple shows, chances are you're just not going to have great performances throughout because you know, you're a performer sometimes live. There's some, there's some boo-boos, you know, to put, to put it nicely. So you have to fix things sometimes. Yeah. Well, I have, I have a live record that definitely is cleaned up and I have one out there that is all the, it's all the, it's all the band kicking ass. But I was like, you could actually do a live record, pretty tight you just can't move <laughs> so you there's always a sacrifice of like if you just sat there and concentrated and stared at your fretboard you'd probably be pretty tight but it wouldn't be a fun show to really attend <laughs> right that's a that's a good way of putting it i would say that's pretty accurate uh, yeah. so so wh so where would you say your your kind of where does being in a band being a musician um in the professional sense, like how does that kind of fit in your life currently? Well, that's a good question. Um, um, you know, I, I'd be lying to say that uh, I'm able to make enough money in a career to merit not doing anything else but music. That hasn't been the case for a long time in my life. And um, if ever, maybe for that matter. Um, but when it comes to um, uh, recording stuff, filming stuff, uh, you know, like I said, recording albums and all those kind of things, um, I, I think that a lot of what I've done in my life is is um, has developed over the course of time where these things. Um, here, let me see. I'm trying to put it. Let me let me try to think about this in the proper sense here. That's what I'm trying to do here. So bear well, with me. No, no need to be overly uh, diplomatic. Speak your mind, brother. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Um, yeah. You know, luckily I, I've been able to um, do things early on in my career. Like when I was 20, 21 years old. Um, you know, we didn't have jobs. We thought we were only going to have, um, we were going to be rock stars even back then. You know, the funny thing about Armored Sane is that we started, our first touring was with Quiet Riot and Whitesnake in 1984 playing arenas. That was the first thing we ever did. You know, we were, it was an awesome tour. We played with, you know, David Coverdale, who's incredible. And, um, you know, Cozy Powell, who's, you know, there was such a great band. John Sykes was in that band. Um, Quiet Riot at that point was kind of starting to decline already after their first album. It was their second album. But we were still playing a lot of arenas, which is crazy. We played like Marcus Square Arena in Indianapolis. And we played Cobo Hall, which is where Kiss Alive was filmed or recorded, supposedly. Um, you know, it was a really great tour. And it was like, oh, no, this is our first tour. It's all going downhill from here. You know, <laughs> it's kind of how the joke is. But um, not really. But um you know, we, the cool thing about it is that we just started off so young. We were really, really young 
luckily for us, because now I'm so much older, but let you, ironically, I'm still not that old because I was lucky enough to start so young. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, all that being said, is, you know, music really has never been enough for me to do nothing else. Those early days, I wish somebody would have told me, and, and probably the guy who was handling our money at the time, who was our attorney, he probably said, look, don't quit your day job. Don't quit your day job. But, you know, when you're 21 and you just like play at arenas, even though you're a support act, you think you're going to be a rock star. You, you do. You think that you're going to be a rock star on that certain level. Um, if I was giving advice to somebody right now, I'd say, take your merchandise advance. Um Go on the road, and then when you come back, still do your job. So you're not just depleting the money that you got as advances. Um, that's the guy. That's what. That's the conversation I would have with myself now. But you know, I don't. I, I don't regret any of those things. It's not like something I look back on and go, "Man, I really screwed up." I just think that was the way life went. And I look at that mostly throughout my career on almost all decisions I made. Many of them were probably not the proper decision. But I don't ever want to reflect and and really just kind of have regrets. So I just I look at it and go, that's the way life went. But the bottom line is, you know, I've never really made enough money, even when I was in Anthrax, to justify, you know, not having to work again or not yeah. even having another job. So, um, you know, I've been working with my wife. She when I married her 20 years ago, um, she was had opened up this casting studio and that was her thing and. When I actually left Anthrax, I kind of engraved myself in her job because it's just my I was my daughter had just been born. She was a newborn. I was not on in the band anymore. So I was going to I was going to just kind of be home and help raise my kid and kind of get involved in my wife's business because I was I wasn't really ready at that point. We're talking like 2002, 2003 to just really jump or, you know, right around that four or five to jump right into Armored Saint again. So I said, let me do this. And let me kind of follow this road. And um, it, it was the way life went. So, you know, I've stayed with her business. It's like our mom and pop business. And, you know, it's not this enormous cash cow, but it certainly helps pay the bills. And and so I'm kind of ingrained in that when I'm home and kind of juggle that with my music career. And uh, that's another way of earning money. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. 
So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. It is now 2024 and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? (laughs) So do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts. Thank you. Sorry, yeah. I'm on a long round. No, it's, no, it's, 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 it's totally fine. But I, I think you kind of make a couple points that are relevant even beyond you, you know, being someone who's been in the industry for 20 years myself, but also doing this show and do, talking to so many people uh, that have had great careers that I think that's a pretty consistent theme is that to do this, especially what we do, which is metal, which is always kind of a niche thing, always kind of an underground thing that we do have to be kind of professionally ambidextrous, right? And be able to do multiple things and have have multiple skills, uh, e- even in like the independent sense, right? Like we become, oh, you're early on, you don't know how to do this thing. So you learn how to book your tours, you learn how to do the artwork for your album. And all of a sudden now you're doing artwork for someone else's album, or now you're booking, you're managing another band. And we, by virtue of having to do things yourself, you have to learn and you become good at things. And all of a sudden you're actually kind of a capable adult and you can apply those skill sets and other uh, ways to 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 make a living. But ultimately it, the reason why we keep coming back to this stuff is because we love it. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a great way of describing it. Um, I've seen that for a lot of people um, in our, my career through the years who were able to, you know, channel it in different ways. And like you said, become a manager or, you know, they're the producer, the merch guy. You know, they do all the various things. For sure. them. And it, which is cool because it keeps it kind of in-house when you do things like that. I mean, Armored Saint doesn't have a manager, Joey Vera who's the bass player and, you know, head songwriter is also the manager and the accountant. I mean, he wears many hats and that's probably why he sometimes has a lot of frustration with us because, you know, he's just constantly, I'm always going, dude, what can I do to relieve you of this? And he's kind of a control freak. He's like, I'll just do it. And I'm like, I'll I'll do it. I, I can, I can book hotels in a couple of cities, man. I'm really capable. I'll do it. I'm like, all right, just let me know. But, um, but it does, it does, you know, kind of, like I said, keep it in-house. But you know, um, a lot of this business, especially like if you're in a metal band, per se, um, it, it can be feast or famine. And it's, um, so, you know, if you're able to luckily, like Armored saying, if we were on the road eight months out of the year, which is a long time for this band, um, and that's not going to happen, quite frankly, um, we would probably still struggle to make a nice yearly salary. And I'm, I'm talking about 
I don't even want to speculate what that would be, but it, yeah. it certainly wouldn't be six figures. I can tell you that much. So like you, you know, it's hard to, you know, touring is, is it costs a lot of money. People don't get it. You know, they think, Oh, just go on the road. And it's like, well, you need a bus, you know, you need a crew, you know, at the end of it all, then you think, well, what is left for us? And you need to pay all these people. Cause it's your, it's your little, it's your business, you know? So it's hard because you don't, it, it, you, it's it's there's this like this midline of people that can hang in there go on the road do all right make make you know come back with some money and then there's this you know other level of just much higher level and then there's even something on, underneath that which is in a van down and dirty you know you know no crew just like putting your stuff on stage yourself selling your own merch i mean that's like and I, I give props to people who do that. I just, I, I won't do that. You know, not that I'm above that or better than that. I just can't, you know, I just can't. I, I was willing, like, and I still actually do sometimes because sometimes we don't have a merch guy. So like, we'll be on the road and me, well, we'll count out the merch. We'll do the things that we have to do. But I mean, we can't be our own crew. Like that's where we draw the line. Or I can't do like a four week van tour because I'll just, I'll lose my mind. You know, I'm too old for that. Quite When you're 22 and 25, you're, you can do it and you still won't like it, <laughs> but you'll do it, you know, but at 58, I, I just can't, I just can't, you know, I'm unwilling to, but it's not like I have it. You know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> we've all, we've, we've all been there. I know some bands that are actually pretty big that tour in a van and actually make a ton of money because they do <laughs> actually. You know, I, I always make the joke, uh, you know, at the end of the day, people go like, well, what, what's the right way to spend money? I'm like, look, man, you can you can take all the earnings that you made from a tour and you can go directly to Vegas and you can walk up to a roulette wheel and put that on black one one roll. You can do whatever you want or you can come home. You could pay bills and be responsible or you can go on a bus and go well, I'm gonna make less money but then i know i'm in a bunk every night and sleeping or you can go in a van and go i'll just try to get sleep when i can but i'll make a little more it's it's really just comes down to the to what your your objective is at the end of the road and, and how how you want to do it and I, I applaud those people you know again it just comes down to however you choose to do it and in the end you'll the money you have will you know will be plus or minus more depending on how you did the tour yeah so we, we don't have a ton of time so i'm gonna have to kind of bounce around uh, sorry a bit. i can babble and, I'm no it's fine it's fine at least i'm just i just appreciate you being here in, in any capacity trust me um but uh so i'm gonna bounce around so forgive me if if it feels slightly scatterbrained but um i just want to talk about you as a as a singer i think you're one of the great rock metal voices of the last however many years um and the one thing that stands out about your voice is how powerful it is it just it just seems to kind of roar over the top of uh of this music that you've that you've created but within that it was so different than it's uh a lot of the artists that were coming out around the time armored saint was right a lot of those bands were a lot more kind of that um you know that pinched falsetto uh type of you know classic metal uh singing and you were doing this your own thing um like when did you discover that sound or the way you sang was that something that came natural or something that just developed on your own over the course of some years i think it's it took time you know it's funny people talk about my voice and they go they sound you, you sound the same and I, I laugh and I, I know it's um 
it's it's they're saying that in complimentary ways but i really don't um i you know if you listen to the way my voice was like say on march of the same 1984 it sounds very different than you know punching the sky which came out you know uh in 2020 so um my voice is it's it's more in this mid-range kind of sound and style and um it's the warmer area of my voice uh, i was saying higher when i was younger but i attribute that to just being also younger sure. um, as you age you know your voice just deepens as a person regardless um, you know i probably <laughs> help my voice deepen through the years by um you know other extracurricular things that probably <laughs> were not super helpful at times but still fun um but you know i think for me it's it's really i always tell people it's really just about singing often is mm. the key i think being a good singer is just singing a lot and that's what i ironically enough i kind of just realized that over the last couple of years after all this time <laughs> of like just keep your voice in shape you're in, you're kind of like an athlete and sure. um you know, you just got it like an athlete wouldn't, you know, on a high, if you played in the NBA, you wouldn't, you know, casually, you know, practice. You you would you have a, a pretty much an intense regimen of how you work out. And that's kind of how you have to approach it as a singer, especially as you get older to be able to sustain it. So, um, you know, for me, I always, you know, Armin Sane and, and the members of the band, we always love different types of music. You know, we were kind of raised on metal, of course, but, you know, in the 70s when we were really discovering music, late 70s, teenagers, you know, I always joked that, you know, we'd come home from school and, you know, we'd put on Kiss Alive and take that off and then put on Earth, Wind & Fire, Gratitude. And that's, we love both those records at the same, with, at the same level of, you know, of appreciation. And we listened to lots of different music always through the years. And I think that always helped as a band and always helped me as a singer because, you know, I, as much as I love like Rob Halford and Bon Scott and Robert Plant, you know, I love guys like Maurice White and Al Green and Stevie Wonder. And I love old school soul music and it has a big part in kind of shaping the way I want to sing. And a lot of people just don't sound like that, especially now i mean um you know this guttural approach to singing which i totally uh, respect especially as the ability to do it you know is just like i marvel at guys who can do it um but you know it's it's just not really the same i mean i mean again i'm an old guy so i i kind of was raised on on a different type of singing approach um but i i think power is key i want conviction and um you know, I, I can only do what I can do and just try to be better as a singer. And and just really, uh, I'll sum it up by saying, I think the most important is just to really try to develop your own unique style. To yeah. me, that's the most important thing. Um, re octaves, range, I don't know what any of that is. I probably don't have much of one, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, especially compared to someone like Jeff Tate or Rob Halford and, you know, um, or the chick from Hellstorm, who's amazing, you know, but like, I just do what I do. And, and, you know, I want it to just sound like me. And when, when people hear it, they're like, that's Bush. And that's the most important thing more than anything is, is just, you know, the authenticity of your voice. Well, I think you've accomplished that in, in spades. Um, but, kind, but, you know, kind of, I, I kind of want to get to the anthrax stuff a little bit. And so, I checked out the documentary series they just released that forty part thing. I, I I watched all those episodes. So in many ways, a lot of the things I would a lot of that? time. That's a lot of time dedicated to it. 
Well, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a super fan of all this stuff. I love, I love it. Um, and it's cool because it's they got everybody, which I thought cool. was really cool. Um, and that's that's what I love that everyone was still because you know how you know splits or people in and out of bands. It can be contentious. It can be there can be leftover baggage, what have you. But it's it's cool that everyone uh, took part and everyone feels. Um, you know, uh, proud of the work, you know, that ever, everyone did, whether in any era of the band. And I, I love all the eras of of that band. But the truth is, I fell in love with Anthrax during the 90s. So your era is kind of more what I'm, you know, like, I'm, I, I guess I have a more an emotional attachment to that or sentimental attachment to, to that era. But it's this thing. And by the, way, the same thing, so the drummer in, in Bad Wolves, John, he's... A massive fan of that era too so we, we'll just kind of nerd out you know like i was like i was like on a walk and i was just like yo i was like yo in the zone man it's the heaviest song i've ever heard in my life <laughs> like no but you sometimes you, if you go like a long time without listening to a record you almost forget like oh i forgot about this song i forgot about this you know and it's and i and i really think it's it's unheralded because even against the backdrop of what was happening in the 90s it was still a really interesting sound and 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 an interesting era because like i was listening to stomp 442 and like i said it's and i have much more perspective now because i just know more about music and and everything where i'm like man there's a lot of like punk in this record a lot of hardcore in this record like there's things that even like no other of the quote unquote big four or thrash bands that kind of because that was a a weird time for a lot of bands, right? You had uh Metallica going rock. You had Slayer was still Slayer. You had bands, you know, you had like bands like Exodus re- retiring temporarily. You had uh Testament went heavier, right? They did another thing. So you had all these different and I I always, you know, the in the story you hear, and we talk a lot of this on the show, is that the 90s were the dark ages, right, for metal because of popularity. But I also think that's where interesting creative things can happen uh, because I think Anthrax said, hey, we can do whatever we want and we're going to do what, what we want. And I think that's really present in those records when you when you listen back to it is how even to this day, it just doesn't sound like anything else. You know, it doesn't sound like it's trying to be this. We're just trying to be just like we're just gonna do whatever the fuck we want, and I just think it's fucking sick. There's not even a question there. I'm just long way. I'm just uh, there's gonna be a lot of ass kissing in this because uh, no, no. I, I think it. uh, it's funny because uh, it's funny you say the punk thing because uh, I think during that time um, Scott was really into the Rollins band, mm. um, so he, I think that that kind of seeped into some of the songwriting style. Um, you know, certainly Henry Rollins' approach to um, writing and singing. And I think that kind of started kicking a little bit. Um, people probably, I haven't even really thought about that too much when I talk about influences, but I bet you, um, and I, I just kind of came to me when you said that, to think that he was, I know he was really into that. And he kind of turned me on to the Rollins band and, and you know, they were, they were bluesy, but he had Henry Rollins still singing in his kind of punk style, which yeah. is really cool. And the band was kind of, like I said, really bluesy. So it, it kind of merges to Two, two different things together and i know that really inspired him um you know the thing about the 90s you know for me it was all gravy i came out of saint in the 80s 
we never got to the level of success that uh, you know certainly the big four bands did or a lot of bands did even you know the hair bands you know armored saying i always say was we were kind of in this you know like what do we do because you know we're not a thrash band but we certainly get rock you know with those bands and we have powerful heavy tunes you know we're not a hair band because we certainly don't feel like that but we're from la and at that time we had hair and you know we could write these kind of ballads slow songs that were different than than say you know a thrash band would do but we we certainly weren't part of that scene either so we we were kind of in this you know quandary of a really uh, what style are we and and it led to probably just not benefiting from these two scenes that were happening um that's the fact because they were kind of trendy i don't mean that in a negative way but they were um and we weren't part of it so it was it was a bit of a drag at times um and and and, and that eventually helped us finally realize say who cares let's just develop our sound and it was kind of a natural development and then by simple salvation that was the record i think we'd all kind of came together of saying this is us and that's all that matters um the thing in the anthrax is that you know anthrax had the fame in the 80s and the, the, the sound and then they they changed singers and you know no matter what anyone says when you change the singers the, the sound will change it's just a fact especially between me and joey our voices are pretty different so it's going to sound different plus the 90s were changing and the whole musical scene and the genres and you know this grunge thing was happening and bands like faith no more were coming in and eventually the deftones and corn and everything was changing and um these bands were cool and they had a lot to contribute and usher in this new decade and we were watching them and it wasn't like we were looking at these bands and going what can we take from them but we were letting that inspire us you know, how could you not be inspired by Soundgarden, Alice in Chains? These were incredible bands. Faith No More, to me, some of the best rock bands of all time. So we were inspired by them and we were letting it kind of just, I think, organically help us in, uh, usher in this new decade. And so it it was um, it was cool. And I think in retrospect, when I listen back to those records, it sounds like those were 90s albums. Yeah. And, um, they felt like we were very of the time. And so that's something that I... Um, I applaud and I, I have lots of, um, you know, I feel a lot of accolades towards. Um, however, it was different from the 80s. So it was affecting the style of the band a bit. And, you know, the reality is there was a decline, you know, um, and that's just the reality of it. But, you know, what was the real reason? It could be all of the reasons, all of, you know, all of the factors, the style, you know, the singer change, the, the new decade. Uh, you know, the new bands, um, the record company, you know, whatever. It, the fact is, is that there was a decline. And like you said, the 90s affected a lot of bands from the 80s that way. So um, but I always reflect back on those records um, very proudly. And I just think that, you know, we were making music that felt like it was very current. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and you guys flow with the times, though. It's not like you you kept touring with newer, like you were touring with Pantera, you're touring with White Zombie. I remember I remember, I saw the show at uh, Birchill and it was super, it was like Life of Agony, VOD, like different interesting bands and it, and it always seemed like it made sense. It didn't seem weird. You know, it, it felt like you were changing with the times and, and not in a trend hopping way. Like I said, it's not, you guys never made a fucking grunge record. You know, you didn't, you didn't make a new metal record. It, 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 um, I just saw we were in '95 on Stomp, 
the second tour we did with the Misfits wasn't with Glenn, but it was uh, Michael Graves and um, Life of Agony and then Cannibal Corpse and Anthrax. And it was like, it was our own little mini, you know, kind of Lollapalooza or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but it was funny because they were, you know, it was very different bands on that tour. And it was cool. You know, it was, uh, it was very, I think a metalhead would love that. Like if that tour went out today, it would probably be huge, you know. Um, I'd go. So I'm going to, I had Rob Caggiano on the show, good friend of mine. Uh, and I'm going to ask you a question I asked him because it's, I, I need this from, from multiple angles. So when uh, We've Come For Y'all came out, uh, the, it's not the opening track, there's an intro, but song What Doesn't Die, right? Is like a, in many sense, a classic kind of anthrax thrasher, right? That the band hadn't really done a song like that in that, in that quite vain in quite some time. And it made me think where I was like, and this is also around, I guess not too long before that, you guys, was it called The Greater of Two Evils? The the Where you recorded the old songs? That was after We Come For You All. Okay, it was after, but but it was like, you could tell the band was kind of put creatively or in the mindset of like, kind of reclaiming some of the, the roots stylistically. And sometimes I felt like, maybe some fans it wasn't that necessarily they didn't like your voice it was that the music underneath was quite a bit different than than previous and and then when worship music comes out it was kind of a return to that style and when i hear that song i go in some ways they never it would be interesting to have heard you on an anthrax record where the music kind of sounded like old anthrax but with you singing on it, like I think, I think, I think to some degree because they wrote stuff that they thought, I guess, fit your voice. Or does that, does that make sense? Um, yeah. You know, like, like, uh, and I guess the, the the question is, was that something that was kind of like discussed or thought about, or is it just like we're just, this is just the next record and this is just another Anthrax song? Well, that would probably be a question probably better asked to somebody like Charlie, to be yeah. honest. I mean, I, I'm sure we had discussions about style. I'm not going to say we were just like completely oblivious to that because I don't think that would be honest. But I don't know if it was so specific to like, we're going to do this song. It sounds like more of a rock song. And hence, you know, your voice might be even better for it. You know, I don't think it was that thought out. Um, I can't really remember, to be honest, you know, some of the exact conversations that were had. But I do agree with what you're saying about something like What Doesn't Die. That probably was a, a you know, a stepping stone to some of the writing that became worship music. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, we also we also went with Nuclear Blast in Europe at that time. We had signed with them and they were certainly, a, you know, a full on metal uh, label. And so that was maybe a conscious or subconscious thought of like, we need to kind of reestablish this or at least in a few songs. Um, and, and that song, you know, has that kind of old school thrashy feeling to it for sure. I, I think that you're right on the mark with that. Um, and it's, a, you know, it's a great heavy tune. I love that album actually, because yeah. it feels like it's, it's a little more focused um, in, in retrospect probably than at least the previous one. Um, uh, volume eight, which I think is a great record on its own as well, but it's just different. Um, but maybe it was, maybe there was a conscious effort to try to kind of reclaim being this, you know, this really powerful 
band with these thrash elements. And, and I think they've kind of continued on that, um, as you pointed out. And that's probably a, a smart choice. I mean, I don't think, you know, I, the, the beauty of a band like Anthrax is that I really say this and I say when I was in the band and when I've been out of the band is that those guys can do whatever they want. They're really talented that way and they're very adventurous mm. uh, and willing to take the chances. And when you do those kind of things, they don't all things don't always work. You know, not everything is going to hit the bullseye. As I've said that before, but you take chances and you do that because as a musician, you you want to you want to take you know, liberties and you don't want to just churn out the same album, you know, cause that's sure. just kind of, it becomes, I've said this before and I mean, I run the risk of getting shit for it or getting, you know, I, I don't mean this in any bad way, but sometimes metal can be slightly safe, you know, as, as, as much of this counterculture style of music that it is. And, you know, look at death metal and black metal and, you know, it's so extreme. But in a weird way, I sometimes feel like it can be safe because it's just it's repeating the style that is. And so you you how much you veer from that um, is is not much for some people. And I think that in a way that makes things kind of safe. And sure. I, as a musician, the best thing you can do is to be not be safe and stick your neck out. Now, again. That's not to say that somebody like Dimmu Borger should put out a pop album. I'm not suggesting that because that would just be like, what? But you could, you know, they could add this like pop element in a song and make it work somehow with their stuff. You know what I mean? Like those are the kind of things that I think would be like, wow, that's really cool. I mean, that's why a band like Korn off the top of my head had such a really unique sound is how they kind of merged these different styles together and they, and they kind of create same with like Deftones, you know, these are bands that I think just really went on to kind of make their own sound. And that's not easy to do when you listen to a lot of bands in, in metal, I think, you know, granted, I mean, I, I, I it's not like I'm a hardcore um, uh, person who's listening to a lot of current new metal I mean, I certainly try to, I want to, I check out, you know, liquid metal and when I'm in my car and I need to know what's happening. That's important to me to, to know that. But at the same time, you know, I don't know how adventurous sometimes these bands are and, and that's okay. It's just that, you know, sometimes I don't know how much of a risk is taken. You know? Yeah. I listen, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I talk about all the time that, metal is conservative and not in the political sense it's conservative in that it tends to uh adhere to kind of the past and like kind of these definitive rules of what is metal what is not metal what is acceptable because there is that fear especially if you do have a career where you have some success of losing the fans you do have or being or ostracizing people or also configuring these ideas around kind of i think there's elitist seg segments of these communities that that say this is what is metal and this is what is not and if you break these rules then you you're not you're out of the club um and so there's a lot of fear there's a lot of fear i think that governs um a lot of musicians and and i think i've I, I'm sure I've, that's infected me to some degree at, at some points creatively. Um, Eloquently put, I mean, that's you're 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 
really on the you know on the ball with all that so um i don't know it's funny but you know i mean do your thing in the end that's what it really comes down to and and just do it really well and and make it sound cool and you know that's that's the best thing i can recommend for anybody who's who's you know in a band or you know just you know starting a band or you know trying to create a style just follow your heart really you know i think it's really such an important aspect of it all so yeah i mean and i think i'm always going to respect the adventurous band that tries something new over the the band that plays it safe and kind of caters to what they think the kind of uh their 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 main fan base is and doesn't and says hey well if we change it too much, then we might lose our fan base. I'm always going to almost celebrate an adventurous failure sometimes because I just think it's fundamentally more interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it takes a, you know, you take a risk, like you said, you know, that's, I mean, I guess I, the way the reason why I support that is because I think that's been, you know, subconsciously connected to my own personal career. Sure. So, um, it's been like that. And, and I really feel like anything you do, if you take a chance in doing something, um, it, it never really, it, I, I don't think it's, it will, should be looked at as a failure. Um, you know, it, sometimes you have, it, t- it takes time to go by to go, wow, that was actually really cool. At the time I didn't get it at the time. It seemed like that was a stretch. Well, when I say failure, I just mean maybe commercially. No, no, I, I say the same thing too. Yeah. Well, because then people, we, let's face it, we equate uh, success with money and sales. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's not just music. But not even just money, but like, do people like it, right? So if people, if you put out something and people go, I, the money and the sales is kind of a reflection of, well, people liked it. Or they yeah. didn't, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> the reason they didn't sell is because people didn't like it. <laughs> and let's face it. So, but you know, again, and and then that might be the case, and 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 sometimes time won't fix that. You know, yeah. Not, yeah, you they'll look back twenty years later and go, nah, it still wasn't good. You know, but <laughs> um, and that's why it didn't sell. But you know, but there are, are those occasions where sometimes you look back and go, wow, that actually was cooler than I remember. And sure. Um, but it takes sometimes it's just time that 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 makes that happen. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, let's face it. Some of my favorite records are not records that were like multi platinum albums. I'm sure you have you feel the same about plenty of records you love. I always talk about like Fishbone, Truth and Soul is like one of my favorite rock records. And you know, I don't know what it sold. I mean, I, I'm sure it was kind of cool for the time and fairly popular. But you know, it didn't do what No Doubts most successful records did. I mean, let's face it. And there would be no, no doubt if there wasn't fishbone before that, you know? So, um, you know, I mean, God, you know, I love album of the year from, uh, faith no more. And that's probably one of their lesser popular records. I could be wrong again. I don't know the true sales. Okay. But you know, like I like, and I love the real thing from faith no more. Of course it's an amazing album, but you know, and that was a huge record, but, you know, album of the year was awesome, and it didn't do. I'm sure sales wise, what that that record did. That's some you know irrelevant to me as a music fan. Um, you know, I don't think of it like that. Um, you know, I but I mean, that 
but unfortunately, people do, you know, and people associate, you know, most successful records as being the, the best record. You know, it's just not always the case. Well, listen, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I and I love your approach to it. And uh, listen, I just want to thank you for giving me the time you have. Like I said, I'm the biggest John Bush fan, one of the biggest John Bush fans out there. Just everything you do, I'm, I'm just, uh, I just... I love I love it all, and I just thank you so much. Oh, thank you, brother. I really do appreciate it. I'm, 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 if we hadn't really uh, had a conversation in the past, although I feel like I we have, but if we haven't, you know, I'm glad that, that we've chatted now. And I'm going to check out, you know, Bad Wolves. And, um, you know, I know, God forbid, obviously, uh, certainly your history. Um, but, you know, best of luck to your career. And, you, thank you. Back, you, you know, this is cool for you, too, this uh, other endeavor you got. And you're doing a great job with it. Oh, thank you so much, man. It's, it's really fun. And it gives me an opportunity to connect with people like yourself and have these cool conversations that if we were at a party somewhere, you'd probably be like, can this guy just fucking get up? <laughs> well, I mean, if you live in L.A. now, I'm sure we, we may actually run into it on another. Area. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm friends with Joey as well um, and his his wife. We have some some mutual friends. And I'm pretty sure I saw you at my doctor's office one day. And I was like, sure. uh, is that place on Olympic? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw you there, but I didn't want to bother you. You said hello. I know. I think you were like, oh, someone someone saw me. Let me keep my head down. I don't want <laughs> I'm like the most downplayed guy in the world. But I hate bothering people, especially like they're doing something at the doctor. Who knows? Getting getting some weird checked out. You know, some random well, guy. Who knows? Maybe what I was trying to conceal. That's yeah, dude. I hope to see you soon, and good luck with everything. And uh, don't work too hard, all right? All right, brother. Thank you very much, and thanks for uh, being understanding about maybe oh, short and uh, great chatting anytime. with you. Cheers. Take care. Bye. -bye. All right. Bye.
you just heard the live version of Armored Saints' Reign of Fire from their brand new live, uh, I guess it's a DVD and a, a live album. I, I saw some video. I don't know how you, I don't know if it's a DVD. I have to check it out. See, now I feel like I've done poor research, but it's called Symbol of Salvation Live. And it's fucking badass. And having John Bush on this show was very badass for me. And he was so cool and so gracious. And and yeah, that was just an absolute pleasure and a treat. And thank you to John Bush for making that happen. Thank you to Metal Blade Records. And uh yeah, that was just that was just a lot of fun. So it's kind of crazy. I was I was kind of putting the show together and listening to it and editing it and I'm just thinking oh yeah it's the it's the last show of the year this is the last show of 2021 <laughs> and I guess I don't I didn't think of anything I guess profound to wrap up the year I, I guess I talked a a bit about I guess the context of everything I've gone through from a negative standpoint in this past year and you know, and that's definitely not how I want to enter the next year. Uh, you know, just just focusing on on hardship and hoping. Oh, I this was tough, and I just hope things get here. But you know, it was a lot of tough stuff, but a lot of really great things happened as well. And I don't know. I think today I was just kind of driving around, running some errands, and I and I just even despite it being you know, it's been one of the craziest kind of tough weeks of, of my, you know, I don't even know when, but I still took that moment to have the gratitude and go, okay, not everything is perfect. Uh, not everything is, is clear in the future, but there's, there's a lot to be grateful for. And it's definitely exciting to be able to kind of, in, in a weird way with, with Bad Wolves, especially we put this record out and had a lot of great energy around that but everyone's been off doing stuff and we haven't really got a chance to be a band so we finally get to kind of assemble the avengers get to assemble and we get to be a band and see how that's going to you know just develop in 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 the new year it really is a new adventure and it's kind of exciting and also like scary and everything in between so it's like having that uh just pillar of, of everything that's kind of kind of come after it and you know i think i should pro i know some friends are like they made these goal lists and things they want to how they want to exemplify themselves in in, in in the new year and i haven't done that yet but i i probably should i should probably sit down and figure some things see, see what i want there's i don't know i'm definitely in in flux and in in many ways, which is, I don't know. I, I'm okay with that because I, I think I'm notoriously kind of a indecisive wayward person. I've always been that way. I've kind of just gone with the tide in my life and, and not forced things too much. So yeah, unfortunately I don't, I don't, I don't have any great, uh, credos to, or, or kind of lines to, to, to spit right now. But you know, I'm, I'm in the next couple of days. I'm definitely gonna kind of take it all into account and understand the gravity of this was a, this is a crazy year. A lot of bad stuff, a lot of cool stuff. 2022, it feels weird. I don't know. I guess every new year feels weird, but 2022, three twos. 
is that, oh, see, see, it's three twos. Put it together, that's six, right? And the three, six, 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 six. Oh, so maybe it's going to be the most evil year. We're about to find out. But, you know, d definitely don't do the thing. <laughs> I think we did in 2020 where, like, well, it can't get any worse than this. No, don't do not do that. Don't 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 jinx yourself. We're in the, in the middle of, of Omicron. And hopefully it's the beginning of the end. But we're definitely going to be facing a lot of challenges. So stay safe. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed your Christmas time and holiday, whatever holiday you celebrate. And and have a good New Year's and, and are focused on what is working and not giving in to doomsaying or, uh, you know, taking on the, the burden of every bad idea <laughs> because it mainly exists in virtual platforms. So get out of that, look outside and... It's a different world, but I, I appreciate all the res all the support from everyone. I've gotten so many messages, you know, about the show recently and people reaching out. And it, it means a lot. Five years, people are still checking it out and still having an impact. And uh, I just appreciate it. And that's all I, that's all I can really say. So I'm going to stop running my mouth and I'm going to get some ice cream in a bit because fuck it. And Mamba's out. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.